You're listening to the Gender Reveal Party Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Pryor. This isn't your usual gender reveal party. There will be no baby sex parts. This is the real reveal, where we reveal gender through stories of brave humans willing to share their lived experience. Enjoy the listening. I sure enjoy making it. Welcome back to the Gender Reveal Party. Again, I'm your host, Jay Pryor, and uh, I am interested and delighted today to uh, introduce you to a brand new friend that we literally just met, uh, Reverend Mary Johnson. Welcome, Reverend Mary. Well, thank you, Jay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm Reverend Mary Johnson. I'm a retired United Methodist pastor. I, I served the church for 43 years. Wow. Where were you? Uh, where were you uh, serving the church? Where was your? I'm a member of the Baltimore Washington Conference. Okay. And most of my ministry was I, I served three churches in Frederick County when I started in the Baltimore Washington Conference. Uh, before that, I was a, attended seminary at Asbury Theological Seminary in Kentucky, and had two rural churches as a student pastor for a couple of years. But anyway, most of my ministry has been in the Baltimore Washington Conference. I, I served the Jefferson Charge and the Lansdowne United Methodist Church in suburban uh, Baltimore and Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church in suburban Baltimore. Then they sent me back to uh, Lansdowne United Methodist Church again. Uh, because I had been away long enough that they lost me and didn't know that I was there. But anyway, uh, after that, my wife is Bishop Peggy Johnson, a United Methodist bishop, newly retired. And uh, she was became the bishop of the Philadelphia area. And she served them... Uh, for 13 or 14 years. I'm not sure how it got extended because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and so while I was there, I did a lot of um, uh, short-term work for her. Uh, she'd send me to a church for any church that was having problems. So if I was showed up, usually it meant uh, they ran out of money. Uh, pastor had to leave something. Um, and so I, I served, I think, about 16 congregations or so, uh, sometimes for just a little bit and sometimes for longer periods of time. Uh, but anyway, that's, neither, that's just kind of my basic career kind of thing. Uh, I am a military uh, child. Ooh. My, I, I now live down in the Hamptons Road areas of Virginia, Southern Virginia, Southeast okay. Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I was born in Portsmouth Naval Hospital, not too far from here. Um, and and you know, so this I, is the gender reveal party. So uh, the real but, reveal, right? You were assigned. I was assigned male at birth. Right. Uh, the, the doctor, as I tell people, the doctor only had two choices. 
Right. And all I could do is look at my physicality and make those decisions. The problem is, is that gender has nothing to do with physicality, right. but everything about something that's you. Yeah, um, it's way more nuanced than <laughs> it's not. Well, and that's this is the gender reveal party where we reveal gender, not genitals, right? Because right. regular gender reveal parties reveal genitals, which is not what we're about. <laughs> so, no, yeah. no, no, right. But but so anyway, um, I was the uh, eldest child of four. Um, my father was often away for extended periods of time. The first, when I was uh, just born, a couple, couple of months old, um, my father went to the Baffin Islands. And, but anyway, we, we moved all the time. The thing that was most um, consistent in my life was church. Uh, we always ended up going to church. I'm a United Methodist, and so I... Well, I was is within minutes of my birth because a nurse believed that I would not survive. I would not be viable. Uh, they told my mother that I would not be viable and not to have hopes, that kind of stuff. So that's anyway. So I was baptized by a nurse, uh, Roman Catholic nurse. Um, and later, my baptism was renewed in a well, uh, Methodist church in rural Minnesota, where my father was from and my mother was from. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so I've always been a, a, a child who has had spirituality as a part of my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that because I, I found some acceptance in religion, Mm -hmm. Because when you're a nice church kid, mm -hmm. people are affirmative, even if you're weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, all my life, I've been a strange child. Um, in that I just never really fit in with other kids too well. Um, for the, my early years, I was just a kid. And kids don't care about gender at all. They just are kids. Mm -hmm. And my first real friend that I, I remember, remember, is Martha, and she was in my kindergarten class, and she was, lived down the block, and uh, we were just two peas in a pod, and we, we uh, protect, you know, pretended reading, and, and we did things together, and, and hers was the only birthday party that I ever was invited to. And it was me and the rest of the girls uh -huh. uh, at that party. It was it was wonderful. But uh -huh. that was before I went to first grade. And when I went to first grade, everything changed. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, I was lumped in with the boys. And they ran around like crazy people. And I was no longer able to be with the girls. It's, because there was this great divide. And so that started my life of pretend. And so I would try to 
notice what boys were doing and sort of try to do what they were doing, even though I didn't feel right and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we, I'm a, I went to a different school every year. Oh, wow. Uh, growing up for the good years. Mm-hmm. The other years I went to two schools a year. Mm. Wow. So I, I travel a lot. Yeah. Um, and so I also found that I was usually alone mm. because I didn't, I wasn't really accepted by boys. And again, I wasn't really accepted by girls. And when you, when you try to make friends with girls, when people think you're a boy, uh-huh. then all of a sudden it's, we're sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Right. First comes love and first comes marriage. And you're going, that's, that's not what it's about. It's about having a friend, uh-huh. somebody that you can talk to and be with. But anyway, it became more and more difficult. Um, As I, as I grew up. So I was pretty much alone. I was be the kid that learned to play by themselves. I would walk around looking for pretty stones. Uh, I would collect pencils that were left on the playground. Um, but I was a good kid. One of my problems was I was always a compliant child. And so I was always tried to be who people expected me to be. Uh-huh. As the eldest child of a military person who became a military officer, he started out as a private when I was born and he ended up retiring as a major. Uh-huh. But you know, during that, that time that he'd go away, uh, he'd always say, now I need you to uh, be the man of the house. I need you to take care of your mother and I need you to take care of your siblings. I'm counting on you. And you go, okay. And that's, you know, that's what you try to do. Um, and mama had four of us and we were not easy children. And I was always angry. Mm not knowing why I was angry, but I was frustrated. There was a frustration in my life that I could not really say why I was frustrated and why I was so angry with things, but um, that's who I was. Um, Christmas was one of the saddest times of the year for me. I did not like Christmas at all. And for a pastor and all that kind of stuff people go christmas is no christmas isn't good christmas is a bad time Hmm. Uh, a lot of tension in christmas um i was never really happy with christmas my parents gave me wonderful toys that most of them were never really ever used right um i remember um I'll talk, I'll, I'll do some flashbacky stuff. I, I came out to myself, which is the, the first reveal uh, of gender um, when I was 55 years old. 
Wow. I was, you know, married for thirty uh, some years. Um, had two sons. Uh, and I was scared to death. When I finally came out to God and all the angels, it was like, what do I do with this? Yeah. I'm 55 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm an old, ugly man. What, what am I going to, you know? And you're a reverend I, at this point, right? You have a congregation. Oh, yeah, I, I've been reverend for right 30 something years too. Yeah. Um, I was one of those that started ministry as a kid. Right. So, what year was this, Mary? It's probably around, I don't know, 2012, okay. something like that. Okay. So things had moved a little bit with the Methodist Conference, right? They had at least led. Oh, the Methodist Conference was horrendous. Okay. Like coming out of the Baltimore Washington Conference, I had watched the evisceration of, of two transgender colleagues. Right. Um, I remember that. It, it just... Even then, it ripped my heart out, because sure. even though I couldn't admit to myself that I was trans, at that same time, I was going, well, what are they going to do when I change my name? Right. You know, what? Yeah. this is, I said, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, the United Methodist Church accepts both men and women in ministry. And so why does it matter if one was baptized male and later um, comes to understand themselves as female. It, but anyway, yeah. so so I I have experienced the um, the destruction the of of the church, um, watching it dis disintegrate before my eyes. Uh, when I was a child, I I, I was confirmed in. 1968, the year that the United Methodist Church was born, I was confirmed in the Methodist Church before the merger. But one of the things that I loved about my church was that we didn't tell people what to believe and we didn't tell people what to think. And we argued about everything. And we, we tried to discern what the truth was and that that truth was never fixed it was always evolving right. and i said yeah this is this is good this is right this is, i like this um but i've watched the church calcify and the, the our book of discipline turning into a weapon used against uh other believers and uh people having their faith denied going, well, you can't be a true believer because you're trans right. uh, or you're gay or whatever. You're going, really? Um, but, you know, as a, as, a, as a Christian who has always taken scripture seriously, um, uh, when I was in seminary, I started struggling with language. Yeah. 
I had a lot of trouble with uh, male pronouns being used for God. Mm -hmm. uh, it just didn't fit right. And so I've been working on um, inclusive language my entire ministry. Nice. Um, in fact, I remember once in, uh, I was in the Frederick district and I did a I did, I did the liturgy for, for the, the service and the inclusive language lectionary had just come out from the National Council of Churches. And so I used that as the scriptural base for the communion liturgy that I wrote. Um, and a good portion of the brethren got up bodily and walked out and would not commune because not that the language was anything bad with the language. It was just that I had used that inclusive language. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. But anyway, so I came out to myself at 55. Uh -huh. And shortly after, my wife and I went uh, to Utah to a, uh, a meeting of the Hoi Polloi bishops and the pastors of some of the, the largest United Methodist churches in the country. And they were meeting and talking and all that kind of stuff. So I was at that meeting and um, I got to be with the, the pastor's wives uh, for that one, which, which just fit me well. It was, it was okay. But I just had to tell Peggy that I was a woman. Yeah. It shouldn't have been that hard for me, but it was in that I didn't know how she would react. I didn't know where I was going with this. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that this is who I was. Sure. Um, Peggy um, was a really good ally to uh, the trans men and women of the Baltimore Washington Conference. After uh, one of them was more or less run out of the church, my wife stayed with her. And in fact, we hope to visit with her and her husband down in Florida because we've she's kept in contact with her all these years. And uh, so she was Surprised by joy when my wife says, and by the way, my spouse is transgender and her name is Mary and goes, you got to come and visit. But anyway, uh, so it wasn't new for, for Peggy. Uh, she had worked a lot with LGBT people during um, the days of AIDS when so many people were dying and uh, working with retreats to help to support them and to encourage them. Right, care she them. was an ally. Yeah, she's always been. And so I shouldn't have been as fearful, but when it's- It's different when it's your wife. And it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she got, and, and you know, it hit her hard. Uh, she goes, okay. And then she kind of 
tried to ignore it as much as possible. And it was easy for her because she was busy mm -hmm. as a bishop. She was always running. Um, but she was always an ally. She is a um, cisgendered woman. She has no interest in men at all. I mean, in women at all. But she loves me for who I am. And so it, it's it's good. It, it's, it's still really good. And probably our marriage is better than it's ever been because she goes, Mary's happy. Mm. Right. She says, since all of my marriage, there's been something. And I haven't, wasn't able to, to figure out what it was sure. in, 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 in her life. Uh, right. And she goes, ah, this makes sense. Yeah. In fact, I used to tell Peggy that I didn't think that I would live until, except to about the age of 30. I wasn't suicidal so much as I just had this feeling of impending doom. Um, and I told her that so many times in our young marriage that she took out more life insurance on me uh, because she had to take care of those two little babies that we had. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway. Um, so that was when you were 55 and you came out to yourself 55. and to your I wife. I came out to myself. I came out to my wife. Did you start socially transitioning then? No. Um, what I needed to do next was to figure out if what I thought was true. Mm -hmm. And so I went to counseling. Oh, right. And, and uh, with everything with transgender people, uh, there's a lot of gatekeeping things that are there. You yes, ma'am. Nothing, nothing is easy. Nope. Uh, still not easy. But anyway, uh, so I went to counseling. And uh, uh, it was a great experience. Uh, um, it was the first times that I ever dressed. Unlike many transgender women, I was kind of uh, a non-cross-dressing cross-dresser in that I, I never earned women's clothing ever in my life, except for theatrical things, uh -huh. uh, usually in church. Uh -huh. um, but um, but I would see, like, my sister had this cute little gold sparkly dress. I always, I always loved that dress. Uh, there was a time when my, my Sister was taking ballet and I went to her performance and I think I dreamed probably for six months about being a ballerina. Wow. I was, I found out when I started reflecting back about my life, um, kind of the trigger for me of waking up to my senses was becoming a spouse of a bishop. And all of a sudden, my life changed dramatically. Oh. I went from being the head pastor of a church uh, and treated with respect to 
becoming fairly invisible, much like many wives of powerful people. Uh -huh. um, they want to talk to Peggy, they didn't want to talk to me. Um, and so, um, one of the things that shored up my false image of myself as male mm -hmm. was position because I was in a, a, a male dominant role. Right. Um, and when that was taken away, I, it started cracks anyway. So I started reflecting about some things and and what really got is I, I blew up at Peggy once and I just said I am not invisible and she says well, what's that all about and so I go well what is that all about and what I figured out is that for my entire life no one has ever seen me yeah no one has ever seen me yeah and once I really, I, really, really get that. Once I, <laughs> I really, really, really once I realized that. that nobody has ever really seen me, uh -huh. I, it 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 changed everything in that at 55 years of age, I already knew that my time was running out. And yeah. I said, I could die with nobody ever knowing who I am. Oh. And I said, I, I can't, I can't do that. Right. I can't do that. And so anyway, um, I went to, went to counseling. Counselor says, hmm, you know, you same transgender to me. There's, there's something that, that sometimes helps people that, that really clarifies things. And that is hormones. And I'd like to start you on a little estrogen and see, just see how, what, what happens. Yeah. And um, it was the most wonderful thing that ever happened in my life. And, <laughs> and it's not the estrogen because I hear the same thing from many people who go on to testosterone. They go, it gave me such a, a peace. And you go, testosterone doesn't do that for me. It, it, it made me nervous and jittery and upset. And, and all of a sudden, it was like I went from being a fuzzy image to my real self. Isn't that something? Yeah, I have had that experience with so many friends of mine. I have, a, I have an experience with back in the day when I had a friend who, you know, emotionally and mentally especially at the time, we just didn't know what we were doing. And um, we were all concerned that someone was going to start this guy on testosterone and the testosterone was going to just bam, like, like send him into like crazy town and um, opposite effect, right? Guy starts on testosterone and he's so much calmer. Like there's just this calm that comes about him. And it was like, and I've seen that happen to so many I mean, I have my experiences with trans guys more uh, because that's where I lived. But, um, you know, that whole experience of when the right hormone is in their body, all of a sudden 
there's more confidence, there's more calm, there's more, it's, it's like in alignment with who they are. My body just goes, yes. Yes. And you start having fears when people go, well, I'm gonna have to take you off your estrogen for surgery or whatever you're going. Yeah. But anyway, so I went through that. So I started to physically transition. Yeah. Um, and that transition I did out in the open because there's no way to hide really transitioning. Um, I mean, you can, but it's because I wear a suit, nobody could tell because I don't have really large breasts or any of that kind of stuff. But um, I grew my hair out and some of those kinds of things just started being me uh, in full view of everyone, just not telling people what sure. was going on. Yeah. Um, but it became evident that something was going on so much so that my grown, one of my grown sons was going, what's going on with dad? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons I hadn't told them or anybody except for Peggy was because I did not want to pull them into my closet. I told Peggy that I would keep quiet, um, mainly because her concern was that it would cause such a stir because of the politics of our church that she would no longer be affected uh, as a bishop. Um, wow. That, that was her concern, that it would become a distraction. Um, and she would rather not happen. But she never really stopped me from doing whatever I needed to do. Um, so anyway, so I was transitioning slow but surely. I, I, I went to a, uh, a trans conference in Harrisburg uh, called Keystone. Um, my counselor, uh, after meeting with her, I was meeting with her in the fall. Uh, she says, in December, they're, they're, they're collecting uh, proposals for, for speakers. Why don't you do that? And, and so uh, from the get-go, I went to, started going to Keystone and presenting. And the first time I presented, I presented as my male self. And everybody's going, what in the world? Why are you here? You know, yeah. kind of deal. Um, it was the, the next year that I, I, I went uh, as myself under my name uh, as Mary and uh, did that for the next, oh, five or six years until COVID put a kibosh on the whole meeting together thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went as a United Methodist pastor. It was on my bio, and and um, it was Peggy thought it was very risky, and it was in that there were people that would end up in Methodist churches, and every once in a while, I'd I'd meet one of my uh, sisters 
Uh, and uh, she'd go, oh, hi, Mary. <laughs> oh, well, hello. Um, but I just wanted to, I always like to say thank you to the community because community is the one who kept me safe. Yeah. And when I went and spoke to uh, a class of seminarians that were at the um, VA in, in their, their program of uh, clinical pastoral education, uh, I went and presented to them. I said, my coming to you is, is dangerous for me. Yes. Uh, because people don't always like transgender people. Really? And they sometimes kill transgender people or they get them fired or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but again, they were very gracious and, and kept uh, my secret. Yeah. Um, I went to uh, Philadelphia's trans health uh, gathering with my bishop wife and she was scared to death being there. Um, but we went and what it did for her is she looked at the tables and you said, she said, where's the United Methodist table? And the next trans health gathering, there was United Methodist table uh, there at trans health because. Yeah. But anyway. Right. So things, so I, I was, I was coming out, but not necessarily politically coming out or however you want to say it. I didn't come out to everybody, but I came out to my sons because they were concerned. Uh, when other people showed some concern, all she said is, you ask them. You ask them what's going on and he'll tell you, but they never did. And, and I, I, I went on my mother's 80th birthday cruise and The ushers looked at me and they would serve me first like all the other women in our family group. Um, and, and they couldn't figure out whether I was or wasn't, but, um, and sometimes they'd come and the next time they wouldn't, they'd treat me as male and then they'd flip back. I was causing them all kinds of problems, but my family was there and they watched all of that didn't take it in or they ignored it. They just didn't want to deal with it. Um, and then are you out, so, to, did your mom live to see you come out or are you out to her or how did that come? I came out to my mother last year. Okay. Um, right, because I wanted to come out to my family before um, the information hit the news. Right. Um, because one of the things about being the spouse of a United Methodist bishop in this day and age is that it's big news. And, and so anyway, I talked to my, I sent him a letter uh, and explained stuff. Um, some of it was hard kind of stuff for them to take, but then I was going to visit my mother. She lives in Texas and I was living in Pennsylvania. So I don't see her that often. And um, so I was there with most of my siblings, all except for my youngest sibling. 
Uh, and we talked. And my mother is quite upset with the idea that I want to be called Mary and not by the name that she gave me. Uh -huh. She goes, why can't you just keep your old name? Why do you have to change after all of these years? And, and why do you have to do any of this after all of these years? Sure. Uh, you've done really well keeping it a secret. Why can't yeah. you just keep it a secret a little bit longer? Yeah, I've uh, had people say to me, I understand that you're transgender and I understand why you would transition, but I just don't understand why you'd want to tell anybody about it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. well, <laughs> let me explain authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and people are going to find out about it mm -hmm. one way or another. But anyway, the, I came out to my bishop first. Okay. Uh, and she was very gracious. Good. Uh, bishop Easterling was very caring. Uh, and so is her spouse. Um, from there, my wife. My wife has had to do a lot of the coming out herself because a lot of the people that needed to hear are her colleagues, not necessarily my colleagues. Sure. So she came out to the College of Bishops, which is the Northeast jurisdiction uh -huh. College of Bishops. And then she needed to talk to the president of the Council of Bishops, and they weren't sure whether or not they wanted me to come out too publicly, but it was going to come out anyway. So had to come out to the entire uh, College of Bishops. And so that's an international coming out. Uh, wow. And as that was coming out, then the Baltimore Washington Conference um, got word. Um, and so they wanted to make a, do an article. So they did an article. Uh, a very good article about Peggy and I, and we were interviewed uh, by the news people at, at Baltimore, Washington. And then that was, of course, picked up as the headline for the, the news distribution for all of Methodism. Sure. Uh, and then it was picked up by Christian Century, and it was published in Christian Century. So, and I knew that was going to happen. But we kind of controlled it. I, we did not let that information come out until my wife retired. Oh. And when I, when we moved from Pennsylvania, I got rid of my last pair of shoes, my last suit, and there may have been some shirts. And I came to Virginia as Mary and dressing appropriately nice and there, there's no going back kind of thing no there's not and, and i mean you know you're real generous <laughs> i mean you're really like I, I mean if you came out at 55 i don't know how old you are now but how long it took for you to like know from I'm, yourself to be able to be fully self-expressed i mean I'm 67 mary that's 10 years of like kind of keeping your light under a bushel <laughs> you know like like how I, how are I did, you I, and I, I did and i didn't in that right no i was, I was out to the transgender community right i and i'm still with I, i've visited my my sisters uh last night right 
but I, I, I still have, have those connections. Um, yeah. You know, so. But I'm so uh, grateful that you're getting to be your full on self right now. But that's, but that's, that's the thing that it is really important. And I, you know, we went to, went to a church down in Southeastern Virginia, which is extremely conservative. Uh -huh. um, went to a church that does not fly the, the pride flag. flag. <laughs> not, but, but, you know, I went and, you know, I went dressed appropriately as a, a woman of my age. And I sat in church with, with my spouse and been doing it every week since, as long as we were around. Um, and uh, we, we met with the pastor um, just to say, this is who I am. I'm not trying to destroy your church or cause any real problems. I just want to go to church. Right. Uh, I was invited to do uh, communion liturgy uh, during Advent. Nice. And he gave me credit. Yeah. Um, and I'll be preaching at their Monday, Thursday service. Nice. Which is. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Uh, I wasn't sure that was going to happen. Uh, yeah. Bishop's been able to preach. She'll be preaching twice on Sunday. It will be her second time preaching. Right. For me, uh, losing deal. my religion, uh, when I was 18 years old and I came out as a young lesbian, I was a cradle Catholic. And my family was so devout. My dad prayed the rosary every night. My family was the choir. There was, I'm the youngest of nine. So when I was 18 years old and I got to the psychiatric unit for suicidal ideation, I went to a priest and the priest told me that as long as I was a practicing homosexual, I was not allowed to take communion. So if you, obviously, if you know anything about Catholicism, you know that there's no point in going to mass if you're not going to take communion. <laughs> Um, so as far as I was concerned, I was excommunicated at the age of 18. Um, and I spent a long time being angry, angry, angry at the church. And um, I had my own kind of spiritual connection always with my God, which I call love. Um, but then obviously coming to Dumbarton, you know, that's part of my story is coming back to a church. I cried for like a year uh, every Sunday because I was so had been so hurt right by the church um yeah. and so you know i know that um ann cook's books and ann is going to be on one of our show is one of the things that was powerful for you and ann has these books that speak to congregations about uh lgbtqia and has one in particular about trans people but you know before we run out of time because we're coming up on about 15 more minutes one of the things that i really would love to hear from you is what do you say to all those people out there who might have been hurt by a church or hurt by the church's view on LGBTQIA or trans people. Because my vision and hope is to love the transphobia out of people, right? That's my goal is I channel my God is love and I channel that God to love the transphobia out of people. And I'm not well versed enough in the Bible to say, look, I know, and I'm a, I'm a diehard believer <laughs> in, uh, in um, Tammy Faye, you know, God loves you. He really, really does. <laughs> I mean, no matter what. And I, and the book of John is the only book I believe. <laughs> so 
So, um, you know, God is love. Um, but what would you say to people who may have been damaged, hurt, um, have some trauma background from religion and, and uh, spirituality just being yanked out from under us? You know, it's so oh, painful sometimes, right? Now, so the thing that, that I really have recently come to understand is that, like, as far as transgender is concerned, anybody in the Bible, any character in the Bible could be trans because it, it has nothing to do with their gender presentation. It has nothing to do with uh, the gender that is ascribed to them at birth. Uh, it just is who they believe that they are. And so any of them can be, any of them at all. Uh, and God loved them. Um, the Bible really doesn't say anything specifically about uh, either gay people or about um, trans people uh, at all, because those terms are all modern terms. Right. The Bible was written a long time before those views were even presented. Mm -hmm. Yet, uh, in Judaism, they have more than two genders, uh, and they have a broader understanding of sexuality. So, and they've known that for thousands of years. Right. And, and some of that's in Talmud. And, but the modern uh, understandings of scripture and, and fundamentalism is a modern understanding of scripture. Um, gives a very narrow understanding uh, based mainly on the very basic understanding of the scripture. And the church fathers said the literal reading of scripture is just the veneer of oh, what yeah. the Bible is trying to say. It's 100%. just the veneer. Right. The real meaning of scripture is deeper. And the real meaning of scripture is what God is trying to say to the human heart. It's not what's written in a page. Um, it's not because the Bible talks about idols as a block of wood. A book is a block of wood. You can make it say anything you want. But the living God can speak through that book to you or through something else and speak to you. But it is that living word uh, that is really important. And the other as understanding of God's word that I, I've been working with is this idea that in the beginning, God spoke the universe into existence. And science is reading and listening to God's first words. Mm -hmm. And they are just as sacred and just as important as uh, those written in books uh, printed 6,000 years ago right. or less. But, um, and so, so there's other a words, it's almost there. like if we were to just go with the old school version from what we knew back in the day, we would be putting old wine in new wineskins. Yes. <laughs> and, that, and they don't work. Right, and, and that never works. Right? And that's one of the things that's going on in the church right now. The church mm. is busting at its seams uh, because it doesn't fit 
into old paradigms. Right. And we're using words that no longer have true meaning. Right. Uh, just as you talk about gender in, in the Bible, in the church, and in spirituality, we now are moving away from binary understandings of anything. Amen. Um, because binary just narrows the vision and you leave out the vast majority of everybody. Right. Um, and so the, the, the new struggle is, okay, how do you talk about your spirituality in non-dualistic ways? Right. How, how do you, you know, we're, we're learning to talk about gender that way. And if you keep talking in the old language, younger people are looking at you and going, what are you talking about? Right. They don't even understand it. Yeah. Where, where's, where's the fluid people? Where, right. where are the binary people? Right. Where are the, you know, agender people who don't have any gender at all? Mm -hmm. where, where are they included in this? gospel that you're talking about right and i believe they're included in that gospel that we're amen talking about. yeah and we don't need them to not be who they are yes because i believe that god fashioned me in my mother's womb as a transgender little girl that my mother did not realize mm -hmm. uh if so she would have named me differently mm -hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> and brought me up differently Right. And dress me differently. Sure. Um, but uh, but God knows who I am. And that was one of the things that also, it was a spiritual experience for me. This Absolutely. Transition. And, and God worked really hard to get it into my heart, into my mind, that God was inviting me to just be God's daughter. Mm. God didn't force me to be God's daughter, but I was invited to be God's daughter. Yeah. That's the other thing that, that's happened is God has softened my theology. Yeah. Because when I was trying to be male, I had to keep things very regimented and very rule-oriented. Otherwise, I would slip and fall and crash and burn. Right. You had to stay in control. Right. But yeah. then when God says, okay, the prison door is open, come out and play. Yeah. I went, oh, wow. Right. This is a different kind of God. God mm -hmm. isn't angry with me. Mm -hmm. God just wants to play. Amen. God wants to, to dance with me. God mm -hmm. wants to enjoy life with me. Mm -hmm. God wants me to laugh and, mm -hmm. and enjoy life and right. not feel doomed right yeah i make a real distinction in my work between religion and spirituality because i believe that there are very religious people that don't have a spiritual bone in their body and then i know that there are very spiritual people that have never stepped foot in a church and so i think it's important to make that distinction um, sometimes because religion if you don't follow all the rules you go to hell right depending on what religion you belong to right but spirituality is accessing that living word that you're talking about that's your words i you know whatever your word people want to use but it's that that spirit that energy that yeah. you know that that we can access um that is part of us and i tell people all the time i know it's part of you because i've seen a lot of dead bodies 
right? And when you're dead, it's gone. You're just a skin bag. <laughs> and so I know for sure that there is spirit within you because boy, when it's gone, there's nothing there, right? So it's part of all of us. And I think that part of our job as humans is to figure out what is it that allows that spirit to come through us so powerfully, right? And that's what right. I, I'm, I feel so blessed that I get to, you know, I have a life where I get to explore all kinds of ways that spirit comes through me. And this is this gender reveal party is one of them. You know, I'm just having a blast <laughs> talking to that people good. and yeah. uh, getting to make a difference. So I so appreciate you being here today. Um, do you want to let us know where we can find you? Do you have an Instagram? Do you have a, a Facebook page or anything like that? I have a Facebook can... page. It's okay. Mary Johnson. Okay. Uh, there's lots of Mary Johnsons. Is it Reverend Mary Johnson? I... No, it's just Mary. Mary Johnson. All right, Mary. Well, we, there's in, a lot of Marys. If they in, want to find you, they'll find you. <laughs> And I, I do have a, a uh, I do great Thanksgivings. I do liturgy. Oh, awesome. And it, it is called transformingcommunion.com. Okay. Transformingcommunion.com. Thank you. That's brilliant. So for people who want more, go deeper with you, they can go to transformingcommunion.com. I love that. They, they can see some stuff. Yep. Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, thank you for being here today thank you for sharing your story with us it's a brilliant you know i love there's every single I, I speak a lot about as a trans person and one of the things that i try to make sure to tell people is i can have 365 every day of the week have a new trans person story and they have similar stories like we have all the th the things i like like you know we came into our own expression it felt like we were home and all those things but all the other stuff everybody's got a different story we all come yep. to it differently. So I just can't tell you how much I appreciate um, you being here, especially for those uh, of my Christian listeners, because I think it's important to them to really understand that, uh, you know, as someone who's been a Christian leader your whole life um, and in tune with the Bible and all the works, uh, you know that as a trans person, God still loves you. Yeah. And it really, really does. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Hey, thanks for listening to the Gender Reveal Party podcast. I hope you loved it. And if you did, would you take a second and go do all the things like subscribe, rate, review, tell all your friends. Apparently, if you do that, the podcast platforms are more likely to share it. And if you think these stories are important, please take three minutes to just go do that. I'd really appreciate it. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm at the Gender Reveal Party. And on Twitter, I'm at Prior J. It's a real joy and privilege to bring you this podcast. Come back soon. Love you, bye. <laughs>